Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I want to ask if you've served in any branch of our military, whatever whichever uniform you wore, whether you're serving now or not, I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you do that for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We want to do one more. We want to recognize the oldest who's still here, who served. And if you served in our military and you're now above the age of 75, I'm going to ask if you'd stand. We've got a couple. Please, please, please keep standing if you would. We, we want to recognize that oldest one. If you're 76, 77, I think 88, 89. Dale, I think you're the only one standing. I also want you, if you would, this is Staff Sergeant Megan Cardona, and I would like you to thank her. And she currently serves in our military. Dal, we want to honor you. And I'm just asking, Staff Sergeant Cardona is going to bring you an American flag that has flown over our nation's capital. And we want to thank you for your service and recognize you. And if anybody around there could just make room for her to come for this presentation. be a little bit different than you may know me when I preach, but I want to share with you some words that I think are significant, sadly, in a nation that seems to want to change our history. I will do the best I can to share with you the things that I'm going to share. I have duly done some amazing research to get to this. But today in our nation, we celebrate 246 years. That's our birthday. I think we would agree in human terms, that's a long, long time. 
But as for a nation, we're just a baby. But this baby that we call the United States of America was to be one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Therefore, this weekend celebration is to be a celebration of remembrance that our nation was founded in Judeo-Christian ethics and it was grounded on the very word of God itself. Two fundamental truths, despite one's opinion, have been ever present throughout our history and our forefathers expected it to serve us as our grounded foundation on which we would build. In 1504, Christopher Columbus wrote these words in his journal. His reasons for setting forth to discover a new land. And he wrote, I quote, I was led of the Holy Spirit to carry the message of the gospel to undiscovered lands. The pilgrims in 1620, when they came to Plymouth Rock, formed what was called the Mayflower Compact of which it read, I give you a portion, in the name of God, having undertaken for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith, we do solemnly and mutually in the presence of God covenant and combine ourselves together. The Puritans themselves formed a union called the New England Confederation, which was basically our first constitution in 1643. Whereas we all come into these parts with one and the same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and peace. As our nation began to take shape, each organized state drafted their own pledges. These are but just a portion the Delaware Charter to further spread the Holy Gospel, the Virginia Charter to spread Christian religion to such people who yet live in the ignorance of the true knowledge and worship of God, the Rhode Island Compact. We submit our persons, lives, and estates unto our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In George Washington's personal prayer book, he penned these words, O eternal and everlasting God, direct my thoughts, words, and works. Wash away my sins and purge my heart by the Holy Spirit. Daily frame me more and more in the likeness of thy Son, that living in thy fear and dying in thy favor, I may in thy appointed time obtain the resurrection of the justified unto eternal life. Bless, O Lord, the whole race of mankind. And let the world be filled with the knowledge of thy son, Jesus Christ. John Quincy Adams, our sixth president, in 1822 or 21 concerning the Declaration of Independence, wrote, From the time of the Declaration of Independence, the American people were bound by the laws of God and the laws of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which they all acknowledged as the root of their conduct. We all came together to obey the word of God. By the way, did you know that John Quincy Adams was the first chairman of the American Bible Society? 
Patrick Henry once stated these words, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even President Thomas Jefferson, though he rejected the deity of Jesus and his resurrection, he believed strongly in separation of church and state. And in response, believed that religion, if it is to be true, should be vibrant and it should be public. In his address to the Danbury Baptist, he stated these words, the First Amendment has created a wall of separation between church and state, but that wall is a one directional wall. It keeps the government from running the church and makes sure that Christian principles will always stay in the government. Interestingly enough, Benjamin Franklin, who was more about living out what you believe than what you believe, he too labeled a deist when debating on how the Declaration of Independence would be written, stood up and said these words, gentlemen, if it is true that not one single petal from any flower falls to the ground without escaping God's attention, will the distress of this nation go unheeded? Let us therefore determine to seek his face. In response to those words, all 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence went to their knees and began to pray and seek the wisdom of Almighty God. By the way, did you know that of the 56 signers, 53 were outspoken professing Christians? In 1782, our United States Congress voted this resolution. The Congress of the United States recommends and approves that the Holy Bible for the use in all schools. In fact, our nation's first school book was called the New England Primer and the Lord's Prayer was on its cover. Inside it taught the alphabet to all children in theological verse. A, for Adam's fall, we sinned all. B, it's heaven to find the Bible's mind. C, Christ crucified for sinners died and so on and so forth. Did you know that prior to the Civil War, 90% of all college presidents were pastors? That includes Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, Dartmouth, William & Mary, and even Columbia. In fact, John Harvard, the man of whom Harvard University was named, was an ordained pastor and stated that the purpose of Harvard, and I quote, that every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main ends of his life and the studies to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal, and therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the foundation of all knowledge and learning and see that the Lord only giveth wisdom. Even Harvard's original seal, which can still be seen on the campus today, states truth for Christ and the church. It was a pastor in 1831, Samuel Smith, who wrote the hymn, My Country Tis of Thee. It was a pastor in 1892, Francis Bellamy, who wrote our Pledge of Allegiance. It was a pastor, John Leland, who wrote the entire introduction of the First Amendment to our Constitution.
The influence of God upon the foundation of our nation is so clearly evident. Our forefathers weren't perfect, nor were they all fundamentalist, but they acknowledged and understood what was written by King David in the Psalms. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. And so I offer, we have much to be grateful for, regardless of any one person's perception of our current landscape. This is a day that should be filled with much gratitude, but don't miss this. But for gratitude to be truly understood, it requires a righteous responsibility. For you can never be truly grateful for anything unless you're willing to build upon and better a gift that's been handed to you. In other words, if you say I'm grateful for my children, gratitude can only be truly measured if you're pouring into those kids to be better citizens and to make the world better. You can say you're tru truly grateful for the spouse that you have, but unless you're washing her as Jesus washed the, the church, you're not grateful, you're taking. To be grateful for anything understands the responsibility I have that I've been given and entrusted with a gift to make this nation better and to continue to build on what was given to me. And so I offer two suggestions that I think can be helpful. If we're truly grateful, then we must love as Jesus loved. There's a story about a group of guys who were overseas and they hired a local boy to do all their cooking and cleaning. But being a bunch of jokester, jokesters, they took advantage of his seemingly naivety. So they smeared Vaseline on the stove handles, put buckets of water over the doors, and nailed his shoes to the floor every night. Day after day, the young boy took the brunt of their practical jokes without saying a single word. Finally, the men, in feeling guilty about what they had been doing, said to the young boy, look, we know these pranks have not been funny for you, and we just want to say we're sorry. We're never going to take advantage of you again. The boy smiled and said, no more sticky on the stove, to which they responded, no more. No more water on the doors, again, no more. No more nailing my shoes to the floor, one more time, no more. The boy took a sigh of relief and said, all right, then me too. No more spitting in your soup. <laughs> Here's what I fear, though. Here's what I fear among Christians. That's become our normal posture. It's become our current way of response in the face of uncertainties, criticism, hurts, and injustice. You spit on me, I'll spit on you. Just read social media people who call themselves followers of Jesus. Even in the response of the turn of Roe versus Wade. You see, I believe that life begins in the womb. But I did not cast a vote because of what other people think. I casted a vote 
for those children, those innocent children, and of what the Bible says. People that we call so-called on the other side of the fence aren't my enemy. And Jesus Christ still loves them too. The question is, do we? See, it was Jesus who said, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. My friends, any other option other than love is not an option at all. For if we claim to be a follower of Jesus, love is all we got regardless. Meaning we love those who do not agree with us. We love those who think differently than us, whether it be socially, economically, even politically. Regardless of where you stand, Jesus Christ died for our current president. It's a love that cares for the less fortunate, the immigrant, and those who might look differently than you, regardless of the color of their skin. For this is the message spoken of Christ to his church, if it's to be his church. A new commandment I give to you. Do you know what the word new means? I didn't just invent it. I'm asking you to put freshness all over it. That you love one another just as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciple. Do you know the word love here means to be selfless, sacrificial, unconditional. It's in present tense form, meaning it never ends. It's just what we do. We're to love as Jesus loved, but if we're really thankful for the country in which we live, then the second thing we must live then as Jesus lived. The apostle Paul wrote, become blameless and pure children, watch this, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you are to shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Blameless and pure, without fault, in a crooked, depraved generation, I think we're in that, but we're to be pure. We're to be blameless. See, we don't just have a mandate to love, we're to be a model of that love. My friends, how we love is vital, how we live is just the same. As shrewd as snakes, but as innocent as doves, Jesus said. See, every day you and I are surrounded by a people, but they're not obligations, they're opportunities. You see, I contend it's taken nearly 300 years for us as a nation to get where we are, some good, some not. We all have an opinion, don't we? But the journey to what God had hoped, what our forefathers put forth, regardless of their humanity, their imperfections, I believe the journey back is but one step. What if I told you that? It's a simple step, 
We look at the landscape of our nation and we tend to forget that God is still righteously on his throne. We tend to get freaked out about the economy and the political world in which we live and we forget that God, the government still rests in his shoulders. See, you and I learned how to mess things up and that's what we've done in so many ways over 300 years, but God is so good. He says, but it's one step back. Just one step, 12 inches. The distance from here, our minds of what we know to our heart of who we're supposed to be. In the Christian faith, two names that are synonymous to this country are George Whitfield and Charles Wesley. If you're a student of history, you would know that they were not friends. You would know that they had significant theological differences which led over and over to major conflict and heated discussion between them. One day a friend of Whitfield asked, do you think when we get to heaven, shall we see John Wesley there? Whitfield quickly responded and says, no, I do not think we shall. His friend was delighted with the answer until Whitfield continued. I believe Mr. John Wesley will have a place so near the throne of God that such poor creatures as you and I will be so far off as to be hardly able to be able to see him. See, Whitfield loved Wesley even though he thought most of the time theologically he was wrong. But Whitfield lived with this truth and so should you and I. A true follower of Jesus is one who loves like Jesus loves and lived and lives like Jesus lived. I'm reminded of the famous line from Augustine, in the essentials, let's have unity. In the non-essentials, let's give liberty. But in everything, let's love. One nation under God. Inseparable with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you so much that we have this privilege to be in a nation such as we are. God, I pray for a spirit of repentance first and foremost when we have allowed our personal opinions, our own personal, social, economical, and political beliefs to get before our spiritual claim. Because if we're a follower of Jesus, first and foremost, we're to love as you loved and we're to live as you live. Believing that you truly have all things in the palm of your hand. That no matter how messy things can become, you are still high and lifted up. You're still the God in control and you are still victorious. You never asked us to fight your fight. 
even though we're in a battle. But if we're going to make that claim, then it's pretty clear in scripture. If we're going to fight, we only have one way, your way. Love that covers a multitude of sin. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And as you said, we are to live an example as Christ yourself lived. God, I believe in doing so, seed gets planted. Lives get impacted and forever changed. God, I say thanks. I want you to watch this. my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today.
forefathers came to this country seeking freedom and they brought in their hands a Bible and they said on this book we shall build a nation. Spirit, 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 spirit
You may be seated for a second. Greater than any one man or one woman and the blood that was shed for this country is the blood that was shed for an entire world. I know this causes people to turn their head a little bit up, but Jesus Christ is not American. He loves people, all people. And he wants them all to know him, not just as Savior, but Lord. That they would allow him to come in them and fill them with the Holy Spirit. That it would be his hand pressed upon their heart and their lives would never be the same. I have Christian brothers and sisters all over the world. Of every culture, every race, every ethnicity. And they love Jesus. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful picture of who God is. But we come back here to a place called Sioux Falls. And 23 years ago, why my wife and I moved here to start a church called Celebrate. It wasn't about church. I want people to know Jesus, not only as Savior, but Lord. That they would realize how much there's a God who really loves them. Despite the fact that churches are filled with people that falter, they make mistakes, they don't always get it right. But as Jesus said, you just keep seeking me with all your heart. And as you are learning what it means to love me with all your heart, let the Holy Spirit work in you to learn to love your neighbor the same as yourself. That's what I want. So again, regardless of political things and all of the tensions that are around, see, people who think differently are not my enemy. That's why I can love them unconditionally. We may differ, but what can I learn in this? What can they learn in this? And the really ultimate question is, is Jesus Savior and Lord? And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do inside them, of which I cannot, and trust that God really does love them and that I can just, as Paul said, faith, hope, and love are the greatest of these. Love covers a multitude of sin. We're to be known by our love. Imagine if we could learn to just surrender some things and say, am I loving the way that Jesus loves? Am I living the way Jesus lived? This week, we were over on the other side of town in the west side and we were going over to Hobby Lobby, my wife and I and our 11-year-old. And something happened that just broke my heart. I thought, how many times have I been like that? Or I will guarantee you, not this severe, but starting to really think about, do I love and live as Jesus? So we were heading to Hobby Lobby and we were at a stoplight and there was a young, uh, if you will, young gal in the driver's seat. They were from Iowa, it's what the plate said, and they were at the stoplight and there was a gal in a pickup behind her and then there was us. I don't know what was going on in the person's life in front of us, 
But they were not happy about the fact that they failed to turn in a yellow light to try to get through. My guess is that the lady driving the truck had to be somewhere in the upper 70s, just by appearance. Definitely an older lady. She wasn't happy, she laid on the horn, stuck her head out the window and started hurling F-bombs at the gal in front. I couldn't begin to tell you how long she flipped off the gal in the front and my wife goes, really? Like, really? Like, what's so important? When the light finally turned green, she wasn't finished. The young gal turned to the left and she followed, then whipped in the right-hand lane and just slammed it on and weaved around the next corner. I thought, wow, am I 11-year-old's watching this? You see, that mandate of love is not just something we say, it's a model by which we live. Our line's too long that we miss the people in the line. Is service so bad that we miss the server? Are we in such a hurry that we miss what matters most to God, people? That's why I've been saying over and over, I still believe our best days are before us. And do you know why that is? Not because looking back at the landscape of our country, it's looking ahead who's still in control. See, God knew that we would mess things up. It's the whole story of the Bible. Adam and Eve had perfect perfection and yet it wasn't enough for them and they sort of kind of messed things up, right? But the story of the Bible isn't God coming along to condemn them. The story of the Bible is for God so loved the world. And he knew the answer. He knew we couldn't do it without him. That's not church. That's not religion. That's a relational God who loves you. He loves you. I haven't arrived, still working through things in my own life. But I know every morning when I get up, as I did this morning, just to be in the word, the story of an unbelievable truth, am I getting more like Jesus? God, let the Holy Spirit show me where I'm wrong, things I need to work on, things I need to change. But as I go through this day, I will love as you love and I will live as you live. And I'll let him do what I cannot do, I'll let him be God. Imagine if that would be our posture. Imagine if we understand the true depth of freedom. See, our forefathers weren't perfect. We would know and be able to share stories about, yeah, they might have said this, but they did this. That's the story of my life, isn't it? It's a story of yours. But if we seek first the kingdom, he said, I'll, I'll take care of all this stuff in ways you can't imagine. And so every day, like Paul, it's not that I've made perfect. Paul said in Philippians, it's not that I've always gotten it right, but this one thing I do, I press on. It's a press. I press on to what lies ahead, the upward call of him. Greater is he that's in me than anything in the world. And therefore, no matter what I go through, nothing can separate me from the love of God. That was a message of Paul. It was a message throughout. I believe a message of what this nation was really founded and grounded in.
They didn't get it right. We don't get it right. But this one thing we do today, I can love like Jesus and the best to know how I can live like Jesus. And I just got this idea that he won't renege on a promise. He's going to show up and do some things we can't imagine. I think our best days are before us. Let me finish with this. Do you really know Jesus? Careful. Like as if you were to die today. Because that day is coming. You can't stop it. I can't. One day we will breathe our last. If you were to die today, do you know without a shadow of doubt that God would say, welcome home. Well done, my good and faithful child. Some of you might be thinking, well, listen, okay, I I get that, but I don't know if I'm ready. There's tomorrow. That's the great lie of the devil. Jesus said, why do you think there's a tomorrow? You don't even know what today holds. Today is the day of salvation, Paul wrote in Romans. Today, now is the time. Don't put off to tomorrow that you don't know exists when you can do what's right today. So my question is, if you were to die right now, do you know? Do you know you would be in heaven forever with Jesus? Do you know that? If not, I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head right now. And I'm going to give you that opportunity. Just asking you to bow your head. And that you would just say these words in your heart. God, I want that. To really know you as Savior and Lord. Not some form of religion. Not some way of law and belief, at least the way that humans say it. But as you gave it, you love me. Right now, just the way I am. I don't understand it all right now I surrender my life fill me with your spirit that I can love as you love me and I can live as you lived before me and that the world around me would know you they would see it in me. God, thank you. Thank you for your promise. In Jesus' name I pray. And again, if you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. Church, listen, I close with this. If you prayed that prayer, again, one of the lies of the enemy is keep it to yourself. That's exactly what he would want you to do. But the whole point of me being on the stage is because when you come to know Jesus as Savior, he wants you to make him Lord, to allow him to be Lord in your life, that the world would know. That's why I do what I do, and that's why I love this nation, because there's brothers and sisters around the world, it could cost them their life to stand up for Jesus. We have an incredible gift.
that in this nation we can stand up and speak. Anybody, right? They have that freedom. And I'm grateful for that, that I get to tell you about Jesus. I'm not being persecuted for it. It isn't costing me my life, even though I gave him my life. I want to, I want to make good on that gift. And I want to love and live as Jesus. I trust you do the same. Church, happy 4th of July. God bless you. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.